Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. I want to give you two, possibly three if we have time, little Hanukkah nuggets of our text. So we're going to look at Al-Hanisim, which we add in uh, benching and in our Amidah. So Al-Hanisim traditionally is the addition for Hanukkah and Purim. Hanukkah and Purim have the same little introduction that's two lines long. And then they have a long separate paragraph, the Hanukkah one about Hanukkah events, the Purim one about Purim events. Um, in contemporary times, the conservative movement and some Israelis have added an Al-Hanisim for Yom Ha'atzma'ut, okay, Israel Independence Day. Uh, same idea with a same introductory paragraph, but with a different long historical paragraph, okay? And let's have a look at it. And we're going to look at, I said two or three things, maybe three or four things, okay. Al Hanisim, Val Apurkan, Val Grot, Val Chuot, Val Milchamot, Shasita Lavutenu, Vayamim Hahem, Basman Hazeh. We're not, that's all we're going to look at. We're not going to look at the long paragraph. Okay? For the miracles and the salvation and the mighty acts and the deliverances and the wars which you made for our ancestors. Oh, I even said it from memory. Vayamim Mahem Basman Hazeh. What do we have in our Sidur? Vayamim Mahem Uvazman Hazeh. We're going to come back to that. So first of all, what does al-hanisim mean? In English, it, it smooths out the translation by we thank you, but that's not what it means. It just means for the miracles. So we're starting a paragraph saying for the miracles, and there's no verb in it in Hebrew. It just is for the miracles and for the salvation, and for the great acts and for the mighty acts, uh, deliverances and for the wars which you made for our ancestors, Uvazman Hazeh, or Basman Hazeh, which we'll come back to. So how can it start? Sounds like it starts in the middle of a sentence for the miracles without any verb. There's no thank you in there, actually, in the Hebrew. So the reason is because it is starting in the middle of a sentence because Modim, which is the 18th blessing out of 19 in the Amidah, which we will get to, in some far off future. I have no idea when. So Modim, which is the blessing of thank you, God, starts in the, starts with Modim, the preceding paragraph. And it says, if you look at it, we thank you, Hashem. Al, all of these things. Al chayenu hamstrim yadecha, for our lives. Al nishmotenu, for our souls. Al nisecha, for our miracles, right? Ve'al niflotecha, for all of those things. So ve'al here means for, F-O-R. So this is, we thank you, God, for X, for Y, for Z, right? Um, there's discussion about, in the halachic sources, about where we add, where should you add acknowledgement of Hanukkah and Purim? And the conclusion is you should add it in the blessing for gratitude. And so it's just added in as another set of, and for the miracles which you did for our ancestors um, long ago. Everyone with me? 
So that's why it starts like, it sounds like it starts in the middle of a sentence because it is put in in the middle of a sentence, put in in the middle of a long thought. Hold on, Michael. So we thank you, God, all this and all that for our souls, for our lives, for the miracles. While we're talking about miracles, we're going to talk about the miracles of Hanukkah or Purim for the miracles, for the salvation, for the wars. Okay. And then it goes on to say, here's what happened back in those days, blah, 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 blah. And then the bracha concludes, ve'al kulam. Everyone turned to ve'al kulam right after al hanisim. So that's the summary. That's, that's the wind up to the summary of the bracha. Ve'al kulam means, and so for all of those things which we have listed above, we are grateful to you. And then you get to the bracha. All right. So that's how, that's where Al-Hanisim is put. We'll talk more about this bracha from Modim to the blessing when we get to that in the far off future when we're talking about the Amida. But it's put here because this is the blessing for gratitude for God's beneficent acts and miracles. So it's sort of logical that it's put here. And it starts, as it were, in the middle of a thought for the miracles without any verb, because in fact, it is placed in the middle of the thought, right? We thank you, God, for our souls, for our lives, for all the miracles, for everything you do for us every day. That's what we said in regular everyday modim, three times a day, in fact. And on Hanukkah, we add for the miracles and the wars and the wonderful things which you did for our ancestors long ago at this time. And then we conclude and for so in conclusion, for all the great things you did for us, we thank you, God. Okay. So that's how, that's how Al Hanisim is structured. That's why it's there. That's why it starts without a verb as if it's in the middle of a sentence, because it sort of is inserted in the middle of a sentence or in the, at least in the middle of a thought. Michael, do you have a question about what I've said so far? Or are you jumping ahead somewhere? No, I'm not jumping ahead at all. It's okay. a comment. And now I understand why some people begin the Al-Hanisim with the Al-Hanisim. So there are some texts that start the Al-Hanisim. That wasn't one of the things I was going to focus on of the textual nuggets, but you're correct. So the reason is because they would say, oh, this is just one in a list. We're inserting on Hanukkah or on Purim. We're just adding more things to a list. So we, just as we said, just as we said in Modim, Al chayenu hamsurim yadecha, ve al nishmotenu avodah. Right for our lives and for our souls, ve al nisecha and for our miracles, ve al niflotecha and for the amazing things. So similarly, we should say ve al hanisim. Right. So that is why some texts have ve. Correct. It, it's actually just something that's inserted into the flow. That makes sense? That's not really an independent, I'm going to say it's sort of not really an independent thought or an independent sentence. Ilana, you're, you're muted, I hope, Ilana. Yeah, I know. I hope this doesn't take you too far afield, but this long paragraph retracing the history and then similarly Purim and Yom Ha'atzma'ot, if yeah. it's there. Why for these three holidays and not, for example, for Pesach, which ah. Okay. Right. And, and I just, I have to say, yes. I feel like 
the first two lines, yes, that's clearly that's part of a prayer. But then these long paragraphs seem more like a recitation of something. They are, yeah, they are a recitation. I don't see how they're, right. see how they're part of davening. The Amida. So. Right. You might say, something like that. It could be a much shorter version. So yeah. write a long historical recitation that I'm not entirely sure. I will comment on it briefly in a moment. Um, but the problem with um, Hanukkah and Purim is that they are both relatively late holidays, right? So Purim is the last holiday that happens historically in biblical times. It's the last holiday that's created in biblical times. It's created in Second Temple times, very late, okay? And then remember, Hanukkah is post-biblical. So this suggests, Ilana, maybe, that lots of rules for liturgy were set even in second temple times okay and at a certain point at at some maybe later moment of development um oh we have to add something for hanukkah and purim which is a late holiday where are we going to put that where will we mention it right so it's a later edition and there was debate about whether or not to say hallel on hanukkah notice we don't say hallel on purim the reason we don't yeah. say hallel on purim i i haven't researched this this week because it's hanukkah not purim but i leave the i believe the halachic answer is given as because it pertains to a miracle that happened outside of eretz israel rather than in eretz israel okay that's the reason that's given in the sources right mm-hmm. hanukkah happened in israel if we're going to start saying Hallel, uh, you know, on every day when Jews were saved somewhere on the planet, you know, from some persecution. Well, given that we've had lots of persecutions, there were many days when the edict was annulled. Oh, we're going to have lots of Hallel days. All right. So um, so the halachic principle is we don't say uh, Hallel on those days. Um, I I'm not going to talk about why there's a long historical recitation because I don't know the answer. I just want to make a brief comment about it, which I have made in years gone in class gone by. And that is um, according to the, I know you've, you've probably gone to um, Hanukkah classes in the last week with the rabbi or some other rabbi, according to the Talmud, right? Which in other words, according to the core rabbinic tradition, what is the miracle of Hanukkah? Anyone know? What's that's the miracle that, of Hanukkah? That the oil kept burning. That's it. That's the miracle. Not that the few beat the many and reestablished the temple. Okay? So for the rabbis in the Talmud, there's no celebration of the military victory. There's no real mention of the military victory. There is in other Jewish sources and other rabbinic sources and in the halachic sources, but not in the Talmud. Chazal, our sages of the Talmud, did not like the Hasmoneans because the later there are kings in the later Hasmonean dynasty who actually persecuted the ancestors of the sages. I don't mean their biological ancestors. I mean the, their sage ancestors. So the rabbis of the Talmud do not have fa- fond memories of the Hasmoneans. Okay? 
by the way, the Hasmonean dynasty did not end well, right? Uh, you know, decades and decades and decades after it started, after. Um, so that's a whole history story, which we're not going to get into today. But the rabbis clearly don't clearly have at best mixed memories of the Hasmoneans and at worst negative memories. So the Talmud, we know we know that it was known to the Jews, but the Talmud clearly omits anything about military victory. Okay, so for the Talmud, the miracle of Hanukkah is not the Maccabees. The miracle of Hanukkah is the oil, which lit for seven days, right? My Hanukkah, it says in Tractate Shabbat, what's Hanukkah about? It's because when when the Hasmoneans kicked the idolaters out of the temple, they found one little cruise of oil, enough for one day, and it lit for eight days. It was a miracle. Therefore, the next year, they made a festival for eight days. That's what the Talmud says about it. Okay. What is the miracle of Hanukkah in Al-Hanisim? You can look at it. What's the miracle, Michael? Military victory. It's a military victory. And the only mention of lights is at the very end, and they lit lights in the temple uh, um, uh, courtyard, right? And it doesn't say anything about miraculous light, right? So it's interesting that in Al-Hanisim itself, Hmm. the miracle is the military victory, not the oil that burned for eight days, okay? Which just suggests, and this gets into historical development areas that's a long story that i don't want to get into and and i i I don't i only have a little bit of knowledge about it but i definitely don't want to get into it um this suggests that maybe the folks although back then we just call it all back then the rabbis 500 of the common era this just suggests that maybe the authorities who were responsible for al-hanisim and the sidur were not the same people as the authorities of the Talmud, right? Historians get into all kinds of things about who was it who controlled what the synagogue liturgy was in late antiquity. Just a second, Larry. Our party line has always been the rabbis established prayer and they were in control of what happened in the synagogue. Contemporary historians nowadays think, oh, maybe not. Maybe there were circles of people who can, authorities who controlled the synagogue. We don't know who they were, liturgists, okay? And mm-hmm. they wrote Al-Hanisim. And their miracle, the, or the miracle they chose to focus on, was not the miracle that the Talmud focuses on. In fact, the miracle of Al-Hanisim is the miracle of Hanukkah. We all, you know, school children, right? You say to them, what's the miracle of Hanukkah? They'll say two things, that the light lit for eight joys and that the Maccabees beat the Syrian Greeks, right? Those are the two miracles of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. The Talmud only has one of them and Al-Hanisim only has the other of them, which suggests at the very least a difference of emphasis. Let's put it that way. I don't want to get into historical different people, but there are lots of scholars who say that the rabbis did not control day-to-day Jewish life the way we think they did in, let's say, the year 500 or 600 of the Common Era. They didn't actually control. Talmudic civilization doesn't take over Judaism until maybe 
a few hundred years later, maybe between the year 500 and 1,000, rather than between zero and 500. So here is a very interesting little moment where the rabbis of the Talmud decided that the miracle is about the light lasting for eight days, which is not mentioned at all in Al-Hanisim, okay? Whereas in Al-Hanisim, it's the battle is the miracle. Larry, don't take us too far afield. I'm, I'm going to reserve the right now to move on, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to take us too far afield. I understand. Um, I, I heard you a couple of times kind of talk about the date, dating of, of, the, of this prayer. And oh, we don't know the dating of anything uh, prior to, sorry, I don't want to say that that's not true. Um, there are prayers mentioned in the Mishnah, mentioned in the Talmud. As far as I know, Al-Hanisim, I have to double-check, I don't think it's mentioned in the Mishnah or the Talmud, okay? Um, and the first Sidurim we have are Sa'aj, Rav Amram Gaon and Rav Sa'aj Gaon, 800, 750, 850, I don't know, 850, 800, whatever, close enough for government work. Um, and they are in Sa'aj and Amram. Well, here's my here's my my quest, my real question. I don't think yes. it's too far afield. Is given that the boba mice of the of the of the oil <clears throat> is what I'll I'll take exception to your to your label of it, but go ahead, Larry. Well, one time, then you're going to have to then establish for me is some some reference to it historically. We're certainly not going to do that today, Larry. Go on. But given given the fact that I think it's pretty clear that the rabbis wanted to turn us into a relatively pacifistic religion that did not try to grab for itself authority or mil- nationalism or militarism. And by that time, it was a stat- that was established, I think, during the Talmudic period and is, is basically intrinsic in almost everything that we practice and, and do. How did whoever put this in here sneak this very nationalistic and militaristic theme into our actual davening. It would seem to go against everything that the rabbis had taught up to them. So I will, I will not comment on your premise about the historical and the pacifistic, because we could talk about that. I don't necessarily disagree with it. But I, I guess your question is sort of what my point was, which is, I guess the rabbis of the Talmud didn't necessarily control everything that was said liturgically by the people in their synagogues. I mean, that, that, I think the question stands, right? Um, let, let's just leave it. So again, there, and there's all sorts of things that was done in liturgy and synagogues, like all kinds of PU team that ended up falling out of favor. We know that there was a rich, creative, liturgical life in the synagogues in late antiquity, which means in Talmudic and post-Talmudic times, that may have had nothing to do with the rabbis, that may have had to do with chazanim, whoever they were. Poets, we don't really know. Poets, liturgists, we don't know much about that. Okay, none of this is what I wanted to talk about today. So we're going to move on <laughs> to my two nuggets. Okay, so first one is, where did I go? Uh, first nugget, okay. Valhamilchamot, okay. Is there another word that's rattling around in people's heads that you may have heard? Anyone have another word rattling around in their head that they've ever heard in this list of things? 
Larry, you're muted. Niflaot. Niflaot is sometimes in there. By the way, there are, ver- there are a variety of texts about this. So what was rattling around in my head is the word ve'alhanechamot, and the co- for the consolations. And I said to my, has anyone ever heard that? Verit, have you ever heard that? Terry, you've ever heard that, right? So it was rattling around in my head, and I said to myself this year, why is that rattling around in my head? Did I make that up? Where is that from? So I actually did a little research on it, and it seems to be that Sephardi and Mizrahi Sidurim, I can't say 100% universally, because I didn't look at anything 100% universally, seem to have, after Ve'al HaMilchamot, they have Ve'al HaNechamot, and for the consolations. So I looked in my Yemenite Sidur, I looked in my Moroccan Sidur, I looked up, it could be an opportunity for screen share. Let's see, where to go, where to go, where to go? Oh, is it here? Shoot, maybe I don't have it. Give me one second, please. Maybe it disappeared. Nope, there we go. I'll get back to you, don't go away. Screen share, try one more time. Um, well, it's not popping up. Sorry. Anyway, I had from Safari. Uh, I had a text of a Safari C doer. I'm not quite sure why I can't share it with you, but it says, Oh, the Safari one says, Michael, Larry, and whereas for the Nechama means consolation, like we always say. When someone's sitting shiva, at many we say, Hamakom yinachem etchem, may comfort you. It means comfort or consolation. For the comforts and the consolations. Um, and in most of Farty Sidreen, that's actually the last thing. It's not in the Ashkenazi. So the Ashkenazi liturgy does not have it. The Sephardi liturgy in general does have it. Um, I look, trace back to, Sadia and Amram, it's not in either. I couldn't trace back where the Sephardim get it from. Like, what's the f- first source that has Al Hanechamot? So, if you said to me, what century does that first appear? I do not know the answer. I was unable to find it in the amount of time I had to research this. Now, that's interesting. Uh, what's interesting about it? First of all, on the one hand, it doesn't exactly fit, right? Because the list is. Wow, you did all these amazing miracles, powerful, mighty victories, okay? So consolations doesn't exactly fit that list of things, okay? So you could certainly understand why it's not there in some liturgies, in the Ashkenazi liturgy. It doesn't exactly seem to fit. But then let's ask, why is it there in some liturgies? Like, why would we, why would someone, let's assume it's not dropped from the Ashkenazi liturgy. Let's assume it's added by someone, and then that becomes the Sephardi standard. Why would it be added? Michael, what do you think? Well, if you, if you view the, the war as being a civil war, then there had to be a winning side and a losing side among the Jews, and maybe it was a, a means of, of reconciling people afterwards, comforting those that lost and bringing people back together. Okay, good. By the way, even if it wasn't a civil war, even if it was just a war war, what happens in a war war? Somebody he, loses. He, yeah. What happened? What What happens to some of the soldiers? Oh, uh, injury, of course. Or 
Death. Death. Right. So we don't know that in the Hanukkah battles, no Jews died. Probably some people died. We know that there were persecutions and some people died. Right. So it could make sense to say that after war, besides victory, thank you, God, for victory. Right. Well, there might also be, and thank you, God, for consolation. Right? So it could be because of the internal issue, because of Michael's raising, because we know that Hanukkah was an internal civil uh, divide or maybe war among Jews at that time. Maybe because in war people die. So even though it's glorious, yay, we won. Thank you, God. There are people who died. Okay. So it's interesting that Al-Hanechamot does sound a different kind of note and changes that opening nine line a little bit. Any other comments about Al-Hanechamot? So I'm just pointing out that Ashkenazim don't have it, Sephardim have it. Uh, any other thoughts about Nechamot? I certainly like it. That's the quick question. I, yeah, I don't want to add on Ve'al I don't want to end on Ve'al Hamil Chamot as the last word that I said that I'm thinking that I'm thanking God for in the list of things. So I actually like that Al Hanechamot is added. Yes, very. Me too. I just wanted to ask you. So some people uh, say would add Nechamot for Purim also and for yes. Yomat. Yes, correct. It is uh, so. For, if for Sephardim, it's the same for Purim. Theoretically, if you were Mizrahi and said a Yom HaAtzma'ut and said an Al Anisim for Al HaYom HaAtzma'ut, that's probably, you know, some people do that, not a huge number. Um, by the way, for Yom HaAtzma'ut, because it's late, there are a variety of versions of the Yom HaAtzma'ut prayer. There's more than one text of them that have been written that are kind of kicking around. But in theory, right, it would be of Al Hanechamot for all of them. Anytime you say that Al Hanisim headline, Al Hanisim is the headline. And yes. it's definitely nicer to add with Nechama than with Milchama. Sorry, your 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 sound quality, you're a little in and out. Say it again. I said it's definitely as a prayer and as a person who says the prayer, you know, we pray, it's nicer to end with Nechama than with Milchama. Yes, right, correct. Um, As I've heard some, every now and then I'll hear some Sephardi rabbi who will teach something about this and then they'll say, they'll say, well, that's because Sephardim are nicer. That will be like the conclusion. Sephardim are more generous hearted and nicer and warm and open to the world. I've heard many a Sephardi rabbi say that. By the way, um, Ashkenazim wrap their tefillin Wrapping it into yourself, Sephardim wrap it out, Outside. outward. And I've heard Sephardi rabbis say, well, that's because Sephardim are more outgoing and, open and, right. and Ashkenazim are more cold. You know, Ashkenazim are ice people. Sephardim are sun people. Okay. Wow. Second nugget. I, I made Larry, Larry laugh, and, but, you're, but you're holding himself like that, like he's an ice person, like he's chilly. Okay. Bayamim um, uh, does that catch anyone by surprise? Did anyone? Hey, let's look at the Hanukkah blessings. Page 242 in the Sim and page 192 in the Slim. 242 in the Sim, 192 in the Slim. We're, we're going to take no more than five more minutes, I think. Okay. Second blessing. 
I want, I want to take you back to your childhood. I want you to close your eyes and think of your childhood and lighting Hanukkah candles. Second blessing. Think of it in a little kid voice. What did you say when you were a child? Our Sidur, it says, So in both our Hanukkah blessing in this edition of the conservative Sidur, not in the Silverman from the 1940s, the black covered one, but in the newer conservative one, you, you can leave candlelighting and go back to Alanisim, where we were, page uh, 118 or page 42, right? Mm-hmm. So both in candlelighting and in Alanisim, in our conservative Sidur, we have by Amimahem, Uvazman Hazet, which none of us grew up with, I believe. No, no one our age in this general group were different ages, but no one grew up with that. Okay, so where does that come from? And and what does that mean? That ooh, Michael the Vaal Hanisim. I I think that vav doesn't probably doesn't add anything. It makes sense syntactically, but this vav means a lot. Okay, so let's talk about first of all the version we all grew up with. What does it mean? Thank you, God. right? basman Tell me what that means for those who know Hebrew. Just in simple English. This is not a trick question. In this, Terry. In this day. Oh. Uh, in those days. Yeah, for our ancestors, in those days, by Amimahem. And what does Basman Hazem mean? At that time. What kind of time? Right. So how does time factor in? You did it for our ancestors back in those days, Larry. Oh, at the season. Then, at the season. Oh, yeah. Right. You did it at this time of year, 2,000 years ago. Right? That's what that means. That's what's by Amimahem Basman Hazet. It means for our ancestors back then at this season, meaning on the 25th of Kislev, on the 29th of Kislev, where we are today. Everyone with me? Yeah. 29th today? 29th. Yep. What does it mean? When I add the Vav, it means something totally different. Well, it doesn't mean something totally different. It adds a second thing. What does that mean? Makes it current? Yeah. So how would you translate that in English? Thank you, God, because you made miracles for our ancestors back then. then. And and now. And now. Which means, God, you make miracles now also. So this is an entirely different meaning, adding this vav. Okay? And you can get into whole theology where miracles just back then, do miracles happen now? By the way, third nugget, maybe it's the fourth nugget, um, there are versions of al-Hanisim from the Middle Ages. I have not seen this in any, it, it might be in the Yemenite Sidur. It might not be. It's generally not in any contemporary Sidurim. It's fallen out of favor, but there are medieval versions that conclude the paragraph after Lodot Hagadol, then adds another sentence that says something like Ucheshem Sheasita Nisim Lavotenu Kain Taased Nisim Viniflaot Lanu. Right? And God, just as you made miracles for our ancestors, so may you also make miracles for us in our own time. Then 
for everything we thank you, God. Okay? That last sentence has sort of fallen out in most of the Sidurim. Just about all the Sidurim, as far as I know. I don't know any community that still says that. Okay. So where does this come from? So by the way, so did the conservative movement make this up? The answer is no. There are medieval versions that have Uvazman Hazer. There's actually a halachic debate about this. Um, one of the commentators on the Shulchan Aruch, the Shach, says, and I have seen a version of Al-Hanisim favored by the Levush, which is a book by Rabbi Mordechai Yafi, who lived uh, around the same time as the Hamaral of Prague in the in, in late 1500s. Late 1500s, Hamaral, I think so. Or 1600s, I'm confused now. Um, uh, someone will correct me on that. Um, which, where he says, you should say, Uvazman Hazeh. And the Shach says, the commentator on the Shulchan Aruch says, but I think this is wrong. It doesn't make sense to me. Because then what you're saying is, thank you, God, for the miracles which you made for our ancestors back then and in this time. And the prayer is for the miracles you made for our ancestors. What makes more sense to me in terms of the grammar says the Shach, is you made it for our ancestors back then at this season. That's what the thought is, right? Uvaz Manhazet and today isn't, you can't say you made miracles for our ancestors today. You made miracles for our ancestors back then at this time of year. So the Shach is acknowledging that as late as the 1500s, there's an Ashkenazi rabbi who says, we should be saying Uvazman Hazeh. And he says, but I don't think we should say that. I think that's wrong. That's the comment that we have. Okay. So as far as I can tell, prior to these conservative Sidurim, and I'd be, uh, my email address is abrahamhavivi at gmail.com. So if anyone in cyberspace wants to correct me, I'm happy to be corrected on this. As far as I know, up until these conservative editions, um, and maybe in the reform movement, but I mean contemporary times, the last couple of decades, um, I don't believe there is any living Jewish community that said, Uvazman Hazeh. I think everyone said, The Shach said, the Levush is wrong, and we don't say it that way. And everyone didn't say it that way. And then I believe... Um, in, in recent times, and again, I have to confess, I haven't looked at reform or reconstruction as Sidurim, but it might, or renewal, but it might be there also. Um, but this is recent to add or to, to say, let's go by a different Nusach. Let's go by the Nusach Uvazman Hazeh. What's gained with that addition? Theologically. You're bringing it to current times. Go on, Terry, say just another sentence or two. Yeah, no, it it just it it makes it, it it embraces us in the in the miracle. The miracle of Hanukkah, or miracles in general. Miracles in general. God made miracles then. <laughs> Let's not say that miracles are only then. Miracles are now. By the way, how do we know that miracles are now? Look back a few lines into the Modim. We thank you, God. Al nisecha shebechol yom imanu for the miracles which you do every day, right? Our life, our breath, 
right? The, the, um, the blessings of Birchot HaShachar, thank you, are sometimes called Nisim Shebechol Yom, the everyday blessings. What are the blessings in Birchot HaShachar, which are the everyday blessings, right? I can see, I can stretch, I can walk, I can move, right? So even in Modim itself, it says, you do miracles, God, for us every day. That's, that's why we say Modim every day. We don't say Modim every day because of history. We say Modim every day because of the miracles which you have done for us today, God. Okay, so some authorities said, if we're going to add al Anisim, let's tie it back in. Let's readopt that old Nusach that fell out of favor. That was always a minority tradition, by the way. Okay, and let's say not just thank you for the miracles of long ago, because that means, God, you did miracles back then, which implies, but you wouldn't do miracles today. Let's add that in because God still makes miracles. Does that mean God still might make miracles in history? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Okay. But it's a theological statement that we shouldn't say, thank you, God, for making those long ago miracles. Mm-hmm. You split the Red Sea. You did Hanukkah. You hang, you had Mordechai hang, hang Haman on a tree, but that was long ago. That kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Right? So this adding the Vav, Uvazman Hazeh, I think wants to, A, tie it to the modim, to the daily miracles, and B, say, theologically, we don't have to say miracles were back then, but will never happen again. Now I'll pause. Terry, then Larry. I'm sorry that Vered got off the phone, because yeah. I, I learned when I, um, when I moved to Israel in the mid-70s to say it with Uvizman. Ah. And when I then met and married Baruch, yeah. I would say it that way, and he would say it the normative way. And at right. one point, we had a discussion about it, and he basically said, you say it this way because it's less elitist. It's common, Bizman. So I, that, that was just his, his take on why we made that correction. Yeah. Wait, so which way is less elitist? The, the, the Bizman. Got it. Okay. Um, why is it less elitist? I'm not sure I, I understand. Unfortunately, you I didn't can't. understand. And now we, we can't ask them. God, I got it. Uh, we always, you know, when people run, we always end up with a long list of questions, right? Ah, I should have asked that. I should have asked that. So we'll add that to the list. Right. Larry, what about you? But, but it, right. But it's interesting that you heard it that way in Israel. And I'm wondering, and I'd be happy for anyone around the world to write to me, Abraham Havivi at gmail.com. And then I will share it with the Sidur class where that came from, right? I want to know where that came from. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what's the, if you were there in 19, whatever, I don't know what Sidur that came from and what tradition that came from. And I'd like to know, Larry. I'd like to know too, because my concern is very different than what you've talked about. The Uvisman Hazer today could be nationalistic, Zionistic. This is exactly what God has done. God has intervened to give us our heroism and to win us our wars. Our wars, which wars? The wars here against the Arab people. And I'd be very curious if there are any Zionist, uh, national Zionist Sidurim, because I don't know what they would be. Yeah. Um, it's certainly, I'm looking at, at the Renat Yisrael. It's, right. Well, would, I mean, the answer is it would be Renat Yisrael is the standard one, and it does not have that. It has no, the traditional one. Not, right. But Renat Yisrael is true, is, is too complicated. We all the conservatives diving out of that too. 
Yeah. So, but that's in a very different different direction, and I'm right. really surprised that nobody in the conservative movement suggested that and said we better go back to Basman. Okay. Like one more, just one more quick thing. This is in keeping with the Jewish weird sense of time. If you think about Kol Nidre and you think about Birkat Chodesh, yeah. we have versions about Hachodesh Azeh, Hachodesh Haba. Yes. So we can't, we can't figure out whether it's today or or or, or in the past. Right, because the question then is larger, um, and I will not comment on your political comment. I will let it stand because we don't have time to discuss that, nor is it appropriate for us to discuss it and debate it in this class. But the issue is, you know, is God's presence, God's hand in history, is it only back then, which makes it nice and safe and a nice story of long ago, or is it in our current times? And is that a beautiful thing to see? And or is that a dangerous thing to see, potentially, Terry? So I'm just going to let the question hang. Yeah, Terry. My my hypothesis, and it kind of riffs on what Larry just said, I was going to hold it back, but I'm not going to now, (laughs) is that I learned it that way in the mid-70s in Israel because of what historically was happening in Israel at that time. It was right after the Yom Kippur War. Or I may have learned it actually in the early 70s when I was there as well. I don't remember. But I uh, I assumed there was a nationalistic, religious connotation. So that- I believe somewhere out there, there is an article about this. And if anyone is listening to this podcast and you can lay your hands on the article, I'll do a little research on it also. Now, now, that, I, now that I've heard that you guys got it in Israel, then I'm actually going to do a little more research and look it up. And I'll see if I can come up with anything for next week. If anyone else finds anything, let me know. It's 8.58. I have my first office appointment in two minutes, and I got to go. So, tonight is Rosh Chodesh, and I'll see you, God willing, next week. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.